and gums at each other. Any chance they get. The fight clock is brought to you by Modell. sit back, relax, and listen to a complete and fucking utter armchair expert give his completely and utterly useless opinions on the one hell of an amazing sport that is MMA. G'day guys, um, it of course has been a few weeks since I graced you guys with my presence, uh, but given there is a lot going on in the world of mixed martial arts, I thought I would get back in front of the microphone to talk about them. So, last time I was in front of this very same microphone, uh, we discussed UFC 294, and I thought that would be a perfect segue into recapping it because what a card it was. And by that, I, of course, mean what a disappointing card it was. Um, so, of course, we had Usman versus Chemaev, uh, which shockingly went the distance. I think a lot of people thought Chemaev was just going to wash Usman, but Usman being the, uh, the former champion, he uh, is... Uh, even despite going up to 185, uh, didn't make it easy for him. I wonder if Usman will actually stay at 185 now, uh, given Izzy is apparently going to be taking an extended break. Um, yeah, who knows? Um, but, uh, of course, it went the distance and Chemayev beat him, which, of course, leads us to the main event the rematch between Islam Makachev and Alexander the Great Volkanovsky for the 155-pound strap. Volk got KO'd, in the, or TKO'd in the first round by a head kick, and then Islam uh, finished it off. Look, props to Islam, man. I'm not one of those people that's going to sit there and cry about it and say, oh, he didn't win the first fight or whatever. Props to Islam. Um, he went out there and showed who the best is, absolutely, at 155. And I truly and wholeheartedly believe that he is going to be a problem and probably champion for a long time. Um, Volk, being the true gentleman he is, handled it with absolute class. Um, went into Volk's, uh, sorry, went into Islam's room, um, and took a photo, uh, took a photo with him after, um, I, as I said on, I think Instagram, uh, might've been last week sometime or whenever it happened. Um, I love Connor, don't get me wrong, and we'll talk about him later in the podcast, but I love Connor, um, his antics, are legendary and they spawned moments that'll be remembered forever um you know just because he's fallen off doesn't mean we should act like he isn't a big part of the reason uh why the UFC is where it is and I will always give him his flowers for that um you know I love Connor but I love to see that too and uh well that's why we love Volk in Australia um but you know 
I'm not going to say the result wasn't devastating, um, and I'm actually kind of glad I didn't get up to watch it now, because I would have been just disappointed. Um, we'll discuss where perhaps two for Volk later, uh, when discussing upcoming fights, because of course he is fighting again, as he said in the post-fight press conference, uh, please keep me busy, that's, you know, and I guess the UFC is obliging that request, um, but yeah, definitely a devastating result nonetheless, and I, yeah, I do hope it doesn't have its ramifications, but anyway, that was UFC 294, and when we come back, we will look at UFC 295, which is, of course, markedly different now, given the yet again unfortunate announcement uh, a few weeks ago. Um, but yes, all that and more when I come back. So UFC 295 was, of course, supposed to be the mega fight between... John Jones, or John Bones Jones, and uh, Stipe Miocic uh, for the heavyweight title, as I've bigged up for at least one podcast now, um, and it was going to be co-main evented by Yuri Prohaska versus Alex Pereira for the light heavyweight strap, but we got the announcement, uh, when did we get it, when was the announcement, uh, 20... Okay, 25th of October, so it was... Um, it was... R- roughly uh, two and a bit weeks ago, right? So we got the announcement two and a bit weeks ago that uh, John Jones was unfortunately out of UFC 295 with a pec injury, and he's going to be out for up to eight months. Um, so that means he'll also probably be missing UFC 300, which we'll talk about later. But that is now two cards in a row that have been ruined by injuries, which of course is a shame, because uh, I was looking forward to Stipe versus John Jones. Of course, you know, when you see John Jones fight at all, it's a special thing, but Stipe versus John Jones, you know, two legends. Uh, there was, of course, rumours that uh, John Jones was going to retire, but who knows what will happen there, because, of course, UFC 295 is now going to be main evented by Yeri versus Alex, uh, and the co-main event is going to be a fight for the heavyweight ti- uh, the interim heavyweight title between Sergey Pavlovich and Tom Aspinall. Um, and... I'm just having a look at the... Yeah, there you go. There's probably not much else on the card to break down, uh, to be honest. Um, because it's not really as stacked as it once would have been uh, without John Jones on there. But that is, of course, coming up, originating from the world's most famous arena, Madison Square Garden, this weekend. And I will still be watching, because one, I, of course, missed the UFC last week... Uh, last sorry, last month, you'll see two ninety four, and to I kind of want to see Yuri versus Pereira anyway, and also, what's the harm in seeing a heavyweight interim title bout, right? Um, so they think that 
Johnny Bones versus Stipe probably will still get done um, whenever John can come back. I could see that happening. You know, that those two fight, and then whoever wins out of that and becomes the heavyweight champion goes down to fight the interims uh, to unify the belt. Um, hopefully that does happen because I do want to see John Jones and Stipe fight still. And who knows after that? Um, cause Stipe, I think has been out of the scene for too damn long now. And it's time he fought again. It's a shame it, it won't happen at MSG cause that would have been good. Of course, I've already seen Jones fight in Vegas. Um, it would have been good to see him fight at MSG, but it is what it is. Um, you know, maybe they could make it at MSG again. I don't know. Um, maybe they make it for later, for later next year at MSG. Um, because of course, John will only fight in a couple of places: Vegas, New York, maybe Abu Dhabi, and that's about it. But yeah, he's of course out for eight months, um, which means he will likely miss UFC three hundred, which is next April, which we'll talk about after this segment uh, is done. Um, uh, so who know and and also so yeah the earliest he could fight realistically because eight months from October is June I think roughly so the earliest he could realistically fight is July um and you know with a full training camp he's not going to be fighting then so let let's say early September right is probably the earliest he could realistically fight you would think they're going to want to get the card right to have him on. They'll want to stack it. They'll want to, you know, um, they'll want to, uh, you know, put the right opponents on it and, of course, have it in the right place. Um, so it's just a matter of that, really, that sort of uh, dictates when this fight is going to be. Um, so who knows? I would say definitely no earlier than September. As for Jones's return, um, be good if they could put him and Connor on the same card. That's why it would have been good if uh, they could have been on UFC three hundred, which again I will talk about. But um, yeah, I would say the earliest realistically that Jones will be back will probably be about September, roughly, um, maybe August if you want to push it, but. Anyway, guys, that is UFC 295, which, of course, it's a bummer that John Jones won't be on it, but I'm still looking forward to it nonetheless, and I will be watching it. Um, I hope you guys do enjoy it. Um, I should have saved that till the end. I probably will. Um, but I'm going to take a break, listen back to this, and when we come back, Tyson Fury versus Francis Ngannou, which I didn't talk about in the last podcast, and I can't believe I didn't. Um, upcoming fights, because there was a big announcement from the UFC a couple of days ago about some big upcoming cards. Um, and also Conor McGregor and UFC 300, possibly, hopefully, as mentioned. But all that and more when I come back. we got to talk about Tyson Fury versus Francis Ngannou. Um... Honestly, cannot believe I did not talk about it um, in the last podcast uh, because that was when it was about to happen. I think it happened either the same week as UFC 294 or the week after. I can't remember. Um, but 
yeah, I've definitely got to talk about it. Uh, to be honest, I'll probably devote a specific segment to it because uh, I want to talk about the entire history and how we got here and how I believe the UFC fucked up, to be honest. Um, but so, of course, as everyone knows, and I covered in, I think, the early, early episodes um, of this podcast, Francis Ngannou was the UFC heavyweight champion. Um, there had been murmurings of him wanting to fight Tyson Fury and do a boxing match, but of course he couldn't do it because he was under UFC contract. He had problems with his knees uh, going into what ended up being his last fight with Cyril Garn, which he won, shockingly, by using Cyril's own biggest weapon, grappling, against him. Picked him up and slammed him on the floor and beat him to retain his title. And uh, basically from that point on, he was straight into negotiations with Dana about a deal. Um, long story short, they couldn't reach a, reach a deal. Um, Francis was uh, stripped of the championship or he uh, gave, yeah, uh, relinquished it, I forget. Um, and he basically became a free agent. He could do whatever he wanted. Um, uh after a while, he signed with the PFL and it was announced that he was going to be fighting Tyson Fury, um, which, of course, happened um, a few weeks ago and took the MMA world and the fighting world, really, by storm, which I will talk about. But I do want to talk about the split with the UFC because it, of course, is ugly, um, as it always is. You know, Dana's like, he'll never be welcome back because he, he outshun him, really. Um, he, you know, went against the code... Um, you know, Dana, um, claimed he made Francis an offer that would have made him the highest paid heavyweight ever. I don't know about that personally, considering you, you had Brock Lesnar on your roster and I don't, I don't think he was making mega bucks when he was fighting, but he would have had some incentives, I think. Like, there's no way he would have been working for nothing given the money he'd been on in the past. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know what the hell is going to happen. Yeah, what, 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 what the hell the truth of all that uh, was, really. Um, but the claim was, I think Francis made this, it was either Francis or Dana, that he was going to get $8 million for the John Jones fight because, of course, the fight the UFC really wanted to make instead of John Jones versus Cyril Garn was Francis versus John Jones. But, um, yeah, that they, yeah, the claim was that Francis was offered $8 million for that fight and then it was another few fights after that, I forget how many, um, and Francis turned that down. Um, one of the other things, before I get into whether or not he's right, um, one of the other things Francis claimed on, I think Joe Rogan, was that he complained about healthcare, which is a common thing in uh, fighter disputes with the UFC, and he also complained about sponsorships, or, la or lack of fighters being allowed to have sponsorships, whereas they once were. Um i got to admit, I completely agree with Francis on that. Um, the fact that fighters don't have their health care 
paid for, um, given how dangerous what they do is, is honestly criminal. And I, I love the UFC, but that, that is criminal. Um, and also the sponsorships. Yeah. I completely agree with him on that too, because that, like I said, I love the Reebok deal. Sorry, I don't love the fucking Reebok deal. What am I saying? Like I said, (laughs) I misspoke. I love the UFC, but that Reebok deal wasn't as criminal. Um, Simply Dana seeing money that he wanted and taking it. Um, He took all their money or all all of that money from the fighters, offered them a pittance really for the Reebok deal compared to what they were making. And then to add insult to injury, he then took a lot of those sponsors and put them on the floor of the octagon. So fighters wearing sponsored shorts isn't okay, but you're allowed to have them on the floor of the octagon. Like, how does that... Like I said, I love the UFC, but I completely fucking agree with Francis on that one. That How the hell does that make sense? Also, and i got to admit, I really admire Francis for this. Before I get into my opinion on whether he was right or wrong, and then, of course, we'll talk about the fight. That's why I said I'd devote a whole segment to this. But he also claimed that in his contract with the PFL, which, of course, I got a bit ahead of myself there, but, of course, what happened after the split was that the talk was Francis was being difficult to sign with. There were offers from Bellator. There were offers from BKFC, I think, uh, one championship. I could be wrong. But he eventually ended up signing with the PFL and, of course, being allowed to do the boxing. But... One of the things that Francis claimed that he negotiated into his PFL contract is the ability to set a minimum amount that his opponents would get. I think he said two million or something like that, which really that is admirable. Whatever you think of the guy and what he did, that is admirable for him to be looking out at for his fellow fighters like that. That is admirable um, and. Yeah, I, I'm in complete support of that, um, you know, and yeah, um, look, I ride with Francis. I think he made the best decision that he possibly could for him because even if he'd signed that deal and made that $8 million, that probably would have been the only time he made it was, would have been the Jones fight. And then he still would have been under the thumb of the UFC, who he wasn't getting on with. And he still would have had all the same crap to deal with, you know. And I I watch True Geordie, right? And he, he could not have said it any better. The UFC does not promote individuality. They just want their fighters to be a name. That's it. They, they promote the UFC and that's it. And that's why the, the fighters... Uh, stuck under the thumb and feel they can't do anything else and they and they eat a lot of shit. It's like the WWE was when they had no competition or no realistic competition. Like, that, a, 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 a lot of them just want to be there so they eat a lot of shit and probably a lot of them don't know what they're worth. You got to give it to Francis. He knew what he was worth and went and got it. And we'll talk about how the fight did and, you know, whatever after this, but he knew his worth and he went and got it. And he also was negotiating for his fellow fighters. 
how can you not admire that? How can you not admire that? But, yeah, man, like I said, I love the UFC, but Francis was absolutely right on this in my eyes. And not going to lie, I kind of hope there are some other fighters to follow his lead. I hope this opens the floodgates. I really do, because I think a lot of fighters are scared to do anything, but Francis wasn't. He um, he bet on himself, and it worked, as we'll find, as we'll speak about um, when we speak of the Tyson Fury fight. And you got to admire that. Whatever you think of the man, you got to admire that, and you got to admire how he did it, and the fact that he wasn't really concerned about just him. So the fight. I think a lot of people, myself included, thought that Tyson would just outbox him and he'd get schooled, like to some extent Connor did in the Floyd fight. But um, we were all wrong. We were all wrong. Um, right from the gate, Francis, a novice boxer, went in there and showed just cool, calm, collected, didn't, you know, look to outdo himself, actually knocked down the heavyweight champion of the world, which, you know how crazy that is? That moment, that photo will live on forever, just as this fight will. Um, and you, yeah. But, yeah, no, he, 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 he stayed cool, calm, and collected, even when Tyson did try and put it on him. Well, he didn't really. He, he, once he once Tyson got that knockdown, he wanted no part of Francis after that. He just jabbed and stayed on his bike after that. And the, the one thing he did that I that I know of was throw that damn elbow, which him and Tommy Fury have no room to talk about elbows now after that and dirty fighting. They, they have no room to talk about that after that. But, man, congratulations to Francis. Like I said, he went out there and bet on himself and it worked. And um, he, of, he, 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 of course, made upwards of, you know, $10 million apparently. And like I said, this fight will be remembered forever. And Francis will be remembered forever for the man who had the balls to stand up for what was right. And like I said, bet on himself and it came off. You gotta give him that. Whatever you think of the man, you gotta give him that. And yeah, man. Um, of course, it has spawned a lot of debate in the MMA community. A lot of the MMA community is proud of Francis, of course. But um, sorry about that. Um, but of course, Charles Sonnen and Ariel Hawani were going at it about the pay per view numbers and the amount that Francis made and. Look, it, it, it was made by Saudi Arabia. You know, they got money to throw away. They they, they, they reckon it did 76,000 pay-per-views, which on the surface looks like a bomb. Um, but like I said, it was a... If you listen to Charles Sonnen, and I do, um, uh, he, he, he is a very intelligent guy. This event was apparently, apparently designed to lose up to $100 million. So... How can you not see it as a win? Francis gets in there and outshows a heavyweight champion. Tyson makes a shit ton of money. So does Saudi Arabia from the gate and whatever else. And 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 they also position themselves even more as 
trying to take over combat sports. Um, and yeah. And, and the other thing is too, you, you talk about 76,000 pay-per-views and yeah, on the surface that does look like a bomb, but the thing you got to remember is illegal streaming is so prevalent. Like I look at every Facebook UFC group now say it, you, you'll have comments in it that say, Oh, I'm glad I didn't pay for this fight. I streamed it. Um, you know, 76,000 people was just the amount of people that paid for the fight. You can guarantee there were a shitload more people watching via streaming. And, and also, of course, you know, let's not even mention the people there. Bloody Eminem, Mike Tyson, blah, blah, blah. Vince McMahon, The Undertaker. Like, all the famous people came out to see this fight. So you can't tell me it didn't make more than enough money to, you know, cover Francis and cover everything else. Plus, of course, like I said, Saudi has more than enough anyway. But yeah, that was Nganu versus Fury. Like I said, this fight will be um, f- forever remembered for multiple reasons. Mostly, of course, Francis defining the odds and de- defying the odds, sorry. Um, uh, and probably also defining the future uh, for a lot of UFC fighters, probably, really. I think he's opened the floodgates and I'm glad about that, but the, yeah, this fight will also be forever remembered for, like I said, UFC fumbled the bag, really. If they had got in on this, they 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 would have, like True Geordie said, they would have been even more respected. Like, look at what these guys can do. And they would have, of course, got a significant cut from it. You know, if they had gone up and paraded Francis, like Dana did with Connor, and said, this is my champion and I believe in him, the UFC would have been even more respected now, but of course they're not, and that they've just looked at as the guys who fucked Francis, really. Like, when I was talking about fucking uh, the, the split, I didn't even mention fucking Dana saying about Francis that he, he he's in a spot that he wants to do gimmick fights, yet when fucking Tyson Fury calls out John Jones, he says, just to spite Francis, he says, I'd happily make that fight. Like, come on, man. I love the UFC and I love Dana White, but they were in the wrong on this. And that is what that along with, uh, Francis defying the odds, as I said, is exactly why this fight will be forever remembered and rightly so. But anyway, this podcast is going to be longer than normal alone. Just, uh, just based on this segment alone. Um, but I had to, of course, talk about it because I could not, and, uh, yeah, so, I'm oh, sorry, this, well, yeah, this podcast, yes, what am I talking about? Yes, the overall podcast will be longer than normal because of this segment, but, like I said, I had to talk about it, um, but anyway, guys, that was that fight, um, it'll be forever remembered, just like Maymac was, uh, for defying the odds and MMA showing what it can do, and, yeah, I hope it's not the only one. I really don't. Like I said, I hope Francis, in betting on himself and showing balls, has um, opened the floodgates. But, yeah, anyway, guys, um, going to take a break after that long-ass segment. And uh, when I come back, some upcoming fights. As I said, there's been some big announcements. And uh, Connor potentially making his return at... UFC 300. 
I'm looking forward to it. But anyway, all that and more when I come back. I just want to talk briefly um, before I get into the upcoming fights about the UFC antitrust lawsuit um, and some very interesting fighter pay uh, from, uh, let's say, let's call it UFC 200 and before um, being revealed. Uh, Brock Lesnar was one. Uh, he apparently made $11 million before tax uh, in his last two fights. He made... Uh, I think it said he made uh, $3 million for the Alistair Overeem fight, which was a shock, really, um, back in 2011. Uh, that would have been probably a million dollars at best after tax, you would think. Um, and... The talk I always heard was that he made two and a half million for the Mark Hunt fight, but that was apparently more like eight million dollars that he made um, in reality. So who even knows uh, what the real figures are with that? Um, but Conor McGregor was the real interesting one because he apparently made this is Conor McGregor, one of the biggest stars in the history of the UFC, made twenty five million dollars. Um, in all of his fights, I believe it could have been up until Eddie Alvarez. I'm not sure. Um, but it included, you know, Nate Diaz too and all those other fights. Chad Mendes, Jose Aldo. Um, all those fights, you know, those notable fights that Connor's known for. It's basically pre-Maymac pretty much. Um, which is when he started uh, commanding those fucking ridiculous salaries of, or, yeah, bloody tens of million do- uh, millions of dollars per fight, which he'll... Uh, which he could be, of course, uh, commanding again, but I just thought I'd discuss that very briefly before I get into the next segment, or not the next segment, because it's not going to be its own segment, but the next part of this segment, because it, of course, uh, uh, you know, has in engaged, you know, engaged a couple of, uh, you know, a bit of debate over the last few days, uh, since it's all come out, um, as a result of the antitrust lawsuit. But anyway, guys, big, big fights coming up uh, January, February, March, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, of course, let's not even forget December. We've got UFC 296, uh, Colby Covington versus Leon Edwards uh, for the welterweight 170 strap. I keep forgetting those goddamn weight class names. But we've got that, and then of course January UFC two ninety seven. We've got Sean Strickland versus versus Drickus Duplessis for the one eighty five belt, which is interesting because the talk was that it was always going to be Hamzat Shamayev, but he apparently isn't ready. So Strickland will be fighting Duplessis for the one eighty five strap, and let's see how that goes. February Volk's going to be coming back against. Tapuria, I think, is it? Alia Tapuria, um, at one forty-five for his one forty-five pound a uh, pound strap, and uh, like I was kind of alluding to earlier, um, big fight. Don't get me wrong, um, but I do hope he is not um coming back, um, too early after that loss uh, to Islam in Abu Dhabi, um. But 
that, of course, leads us into March. Sugar Sean O'Malley is going to defend his newly won bantamweight, I believe, strap um, against, I think, Cheeto Vera. Um, but, yeah, they, they are big months, January, February, and March. Stack cards for all of them. Um, but that, of course, leads us into April. UFC 300, likely in Vegas, um, which I have talked about on this podcast before. Um, uh, just crazy, the fact that we're almost at 300 UFC cards. Like, it's mental. Doesn't feel that long ago, me and my mate Jesse started watching, and now we're up to 300 cards. Crazy. But the man I really wanted to talk about, and I'll talk about him briefly because I, and this will be what ends the podcast, because uh, I spoke about him uh, quite a bit in the last one. The notorious Connor McGregor. I can't do that too loud. <coughs> Fuck. I did that earlier when I was at the pub and uh, I did it a couple of times actually, God. But um, they, there is a lot of talk, like I've always said, when he couldn't make December, that he is in fact going to be making his grand return at UFC 300. He was interviewed at the Fury and Garnu fight and he said that the UFC is apparently eyeing a return for him in April. April is, of course, UFC 300. So if that is true, and I could believe it is, it's going to go exactly as I predicted. He wasn't on UFC 200, so they'll pull out all the stops to make damn sure that he's on UFC 300. And to be honest, ladies and gentlemen, I am here for it. I want to see what Connor can do after a two-year layoff. I hope things haven't gone too beyond for him. If they have, he should consider retirement. But if not, I'm here for it, ladies and gentlemen. But anyway, guys, that is this month's slash week's podcast. Um, UFC 295 ain't going to be what we all hoped it would be. But I hope you all enjoy it nonetheless. But anyway, till next time, catches. <laughs>